0: Curry sets fires puts it up bang
1: there it is
0: it open fires away bang way downtown bang
1: so short and yet so satisfying
0: James step back three pointer
2: bang
0: smart to Tatum sets fires three pointer bang
1: when the modernist poet T.S. Eliot wrote The Hollow Men, his famous work about the startling desolation of Europe after World War I. He was definitively not thinking about the NBA playoffs. That is true. But the final stanza of that poem, I'd argue, it actually applies equally well to the startling landscape of professional basketball without Mike Breen. This is the way the world ends, Elliot wrote. This is the way the world ends. This is the way the world ends. Not with a bang, but a whimper. So today, ahead of game four, we celebrate the return of Hall of Famer Mike Breen, the play-by-play guy who has called more finals games than anyone ever has. And we explain the most essential syllable in sports. I'm Pablo Torre. It is Friday, June 10th. This is ESPN Daily. Mike Breen, do you remember the last time you found yourself watching the NBA Finals at home, not working without a microphone? Because it had been a while, right? It's uh, last time was two thousand and five. I'll say this, Pablo. Um,
0: I've always appreciated uh, the privilege and the responsibility of calling finals games. But that appreciation skyrocketed after watching the first two games, seeing you know the event and how big it meant, and um, it was it was cool. And it was also um, it was wonderful to watch uh, my colleague Mark Jones, who's a great buddy. Yes. Nail it in his first chance to do some finals games.
1: No, you missed games one and two of the finals because of COVID. And it seems, Mike, like you're okay. I should ask that question first, actually. I apologize. How are you feeling? You're all good? I'm great. I was
0: one of those that had no symptoms, just kept testing positive, uh, which was probably more frustrating the alternative but it's also a little easier experience to go through than the alternative but i feel great thanks for asking
1: yeah but okay hold on because you just described a 17-year period unbroken of you in front of a microphone calling these games and so my brain for for days now mike has been wondering what isolation looked and sounded like for you because i know you were watching these games obviously but describe the scene of mike breen like presumably on his couch
0: Pablo, I wish I, would, I had a couch to sit on. I was in my hotel room. I was in San Francisco when I started testing positive. So I was, I was stuck in my room for six days, but the game was it. That was the whole day. I planned my meals early to make sure I had dinner like right before the game and and not to have any interruption. Uh, I put my phone off to the side uh, because I wanted to really concentrate and watch the game. And it's funny, it's like, you know, clearly in our positions – you watch it with a critical eye in terms of the telecast, how the telecast is going. But what's cool is, is you watch it as a fan, too. And, you you know, I'm at a great play. I'm, I'm yelling on, on a call that I question. I'm looking at it. And uh, that stuff will never leave you. I'm such a huge fan of the sport that it was nice to actually watch it as a fan, too.
1: Wait, so how much of Mike Breen, Hall of Fame, play-by-play man, crept into this experience? Like, did you call any part of the game just, like, to yourself?
0: No, no, I'm sick, but I'm not that sick. I wouldn't say it's like when I watch Met games because I'm a Met fan or New York Giant football games because I'm a football fan because I get crazed on those because those are my teams. Um, So, but it's still, as a fan, you can just... You can yell and scream and enjoy it. It's like, ah, oh, I can't believe you missed that shot or, oh, that's a terrible call or, oh, you know, stuff like that, just the average fan.
1: Wait, so I need to get you on the record here to be very clear because my friends and I have been taking bets about this. How many bangs did Mike Breen say when he's in isolation in his hotel room watching games one and two of the NBA Finals? No, no, no.
0: <laughs> I didn't do any bangs. But that's that's how it all started, Pablo. When I was a student at Fordham, there was about, oh, let's say, 10 or 15 of us who joined the, the college radio station, WFUV. And we went to every Fordham basketball game if we weren't announcing it. And we would go to the games, and when a Fordham player hit a big shot, that was what I screamed in the stands. And that was the origin of why I tried using it on the air. Um, so I didn't I didn't heal any banks at the
1: TV those two nights. Okay, so yeah, I did just lose money on that bet. I made, but B... I do need that full Ford and story in a second here, but what we've been doing while you've been talking, Mike is just doing the quick math here, and it turns out that Wednesday night, Game 3, was your 92nd NBA Finals game, which is more Finals games than anyone has ever called, more than Marv Albert, more than Dick Stockton. So just to close the loop here, how did it feel to actually be back out there in the building in Boston?
0: I was like a kid on Christmas morning. Um, I, I love the job so much that I missed it so much, that I missed the adrenaline from the crowd, uh, from bringing right there courtside, um, but it felt amazing. And, you know, Pablo, I'm sure you, you feel the same way uh, in, in your job. The, as great as the games are, the best part about it is the relationships and the friendships that you accumulate over, over so many years. And I have so many friends on in the NBA, at ESPN, on the two teams that uh, just going back and seeing people. So wonderful. It's overwhelming the, the amount of response, the well-wishers hoping you're better, want, want you to come back. So to go and see all those people, it was uh, that was the best part about it, seeing all your friends and colleagues.
1: And so when there's five minutes or so left in the fourth quarter and the Celtics are trying to pull away to take this 2-1 lead in the series and Marcus Smart pulls up from the corner.
0: Sorry, looking to help. Tatum on the drive.
1: Kicks it out. Smart. Corner three. Bang! How'd it feel, man? How'd it feel? I, I said
0: our producer, who's been, been with us uh, pretty much the entire time, Tim Corrigan, who, who's amazing. I must have said four or five times, oh, this is so much fun. Oh, this is so much fun. And it's not like I was away for for a year. I was away for two weeks, and I missed two finals games but I felt like I was gone forever. And to be back in the seat and and working with Mark and Jeff, which is, you know, the ultimate dream for me. um, It just was, it was kind of the perfect night just to be back in that chair.
1: Yeah, it it felt, honestly, hearing you say bang after that three, I I don't know what it's like to be constipated as a play-by-play guy, but I imagine that it felt like a release.
0: We live for close games. Uh, it's so much funny every year in the finals when the Warriors win a game the Celtic fans think oh you were cheering for them then when the Celtics win a game the Warriors fans oh it's clear you're cheering for them Uh, all we cheer for is close games at the end where you have big shots big plays and you have a chance to uh, you know try and enhance the moment with a call and um, you know for for that it was almost the perfect setup especially in Boston with a player like Marcus Smart is so beloved Uh, it was a nice way to get back into the swing of things
1: It really was, Mike. It really was. But we also need to get into the history of basketball broadcasting and where bang fits into it. After the break.
2: Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part?
1: So, Mike Breen, you are a Hall of Famer. You are arguably, I, I imagine you will very humbly dispute what I'm about to say here, but you're arguably the best ever at what you do. I mean, it feels that way to me and to a lot of my friends who grew up watching and listening to you. And you call Nick Games with Clyde Frazier. You've called the Bazillion Finals. You've called the Malice at the Palace. All of these memorable things, you have been there. Are you surprised that so many people are just obsessed with this one word, this one syllable that you say?
0: it's uh it's so flattering it really is um, but I do sometimes you you laugh because there, there people will say before the game oh you're gonna you gonna have about 10 bangs tonight I rarely do more than two a game I try and save it for the end if I was saying it all the time it would I think it would spoil it people would get so tired of it so I don't do it very often there's a lot of games I never even use it but you know Pablo it's uh, this is not false modesty. It's overwhelming to to think that, you know, people feel that way. I'm someone who just loves the game and, and feels honored to be calling them. When you grow up listening to Marv Albert, and, and that's part of the reasons why you got into the business. Here's Jordan. From yes! Michael Jordan from straight away! He looks like he's a, a, a boxer just hanging on along the ropes, but able to hit from three-point Chicago League. There will nobody uh, call basketball the way Marl Robert did. He's the all-time great. And I, I always feel one of the more underrated play-by-play guys of all time was Dick Stockton.
2: Michael Jordan working against Dennis Johnson. Clock running down. Three seconds. Three-point shot. No good. And a foul. Late late. A foul against Kevin
0: McHale has been called by Middleton. With no time showing on the clock. Kevin McHale can't believe it. And he called a lot of the finals games when I was a kid growing up, starting to love the NBA. So I'm just one of uh, a lot of guys who, who, who call basketball and love basketball. Even today, like people say the voice of the NBA, I, I, I so dispute that. You know, for example, for the Boston Celtic fans, the voice of the NBA is Mike Gorman. Uh, for the Golden State Warriors, the voice of the NBA is Bob Fitzgerald, and, and that's the part of the beauty of the sport. And and the local broadcasters. So clearly, I, I'm one with the Knicks. Is that that's your that's your announcer? That's your voice. That's the guy who who you allow into your room night in and night out, who becomes a mar- part of your family. And and that's part of the beauty of sports that that the listeners have an attachment to.
1: I do think there is like a unisyllabic tradition from yes to bang. And, and I do want to get to the, from Marv Albert to you passing on the, the notion that, Hey, we only really need a syllable here, Mike. Like, could you talk to me about what it is that just having the one word enables you to do in terms of calling the game and the crowd sort of filtering in there too?
0: Well, uh, Pablo, that's exactly, it's a great question. Um, it's the one syllable word it's a concise way to call a big moment and especially when the crowd is is so into it and and normally not all the time but in a lot of cases I only use it when it's the home crowd because it just it enhances the call the call hopefully enhances the moment um, the human voice is not expected to to be on this high intensity level for for long stretches I mean even the greatest voices of all time your voice could crack or just doesn't sound, I don't think it sounds natural. So on a big moment when the crowd's going crazy, less is more. I've always felt that way.
1: Were you always this sort of observant in terms of, hey, my job here is to sort of amplify the atmosphere? Like, did you used to be a guy, Mike, when you started off, maybe? Like, talking over those moments a little bit? When did you sort of learn to calibrate that kind of math?
0: Well, I you know, I started doing radio my first five years, uh, broadcasting nba games was on the radio for the knicks and when you switch over to tv that's when you have to realize you have to pull back i mean you can't do a radio call and i remember the first maybe year or two every time i went back and, and watched a game that i did on tv i'd say oh we just we shut up once in a while you quickly realize that you don't need to talk all the time and, and sometimes in a big moment sometimes silence is the perfect thing
2: freeze hits it in the air to center See you tomorrow
0: night. I think Joe Buck is one of the all-time greats at letting the moment, you know, just um, sit there and, and, and the sound from the crowd and the sound from the whole atmosphere. Um, and I think it's it's important not to overtalk. So, like anything, Pablo, it it, um, it takes time and, and you tinker with it. You get better at it. Sometimes you don't get better at it. And you just try and figure out what works best.
1: It's funny to hear you talking about feeling discomfort, watching yourself back, listening to yourself back on tape, because are you aware that there are just montages, highlight reels with, like, many, 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 many views on YouTube of just, like, compila- bang compilations? Yes, I, I am aware.
0: Bryant for the win! Bang! History final! Bang! Anthony for three! Bang! Fires away! Well, first of all, I, have, I have three uh, adult children, so you know they would let me know on stuff like that, and and then friends all the time would send me stuff. I do have a Twitter account. I never tweet, but that's how I follow the league, and I have friends who send me those things sometimes. Uh, although they they delight in sending me any negative thing on Twitter, uh, just to keep my head from swelling. Uh, so it's a
1: good friend. Yeah, no,
0: that's that's the friends that you actually you need more than you think.
1: So let's talk about the origin here again because you begun to tell that story. But in the beginning, Mike, what was there? I guess this is, let's call it the Big Bang. Where did this all start? Because you mentioned you went to Fordham and this was a thing that you would do just as a fan. Right.
0: I went to Fordham to get into broadcasting, and basketball is my favorite sport. So we did all the games, but when you're a freshman and a sophomore, you only probably do about five or six games a year. Then when you get to be a junior and senior, you do more, obviously. And um, so I would go to all the road games too, not just the home games at, at Rose Hill in the Bronx, but I'd go to all the road games.
1: Just, you know, when you went to college, where'd you go to college? I went to Harvard. Oh, <laughs> oh, of course. I know, of course. Not 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 the greatest atmosphere, Mike Breed, in terms of No, no,
0: but still like you you cheered for any any Harvard team, you know, they were part of you. They were Absolutely. And and you didn't root for any team as hard as you did for your school's team. So correct. We're crazy Fordham fans. And we'd go nuts. And there'd only be a handful of us at some of these road games. But when a Fordham player hit a big shot, for some reason I just started yelling bang as a student fan. And it wasn't even a three-point line back then at the time. (laughs) So when I started doing the the games on radio for Fordham, um, I tried it a couple of times in my call as a student broadcaster, and I didn't think it worked on radio. Mm. I thought it was more important back then to say it's good, (laughs) to let the the radio listeners know. So I kind of shelved it for a while. And then when I started doing some, some broadcasting after college, I did Marist College games, I did some Seton Hall games, and I did this Sports Channel high school game of the week, uh, which was so much fun. We'd go to a different high school across the country if it had a big player, like we went to Memphis for a Penny Hardaway game, uh, stuff like that. And I started using it there because in those high school gyms, the place was crazy. We'd do these Friday night games, the place would be packed, and it was hard to to get your voice over the, the roar of the crowd. Uh, so I started using it there, and I liked it. Now, I, I, have, to, I have to confess, Pablo, uh, after I started using it on the NBA, I found out that I was not the first person to use it by any stretch. The, the great Johnny Most. Mm. I did a Celtic game once, and I, I used the, the bang phrase, and Johnny's son, Jamie, who was in the business, he called and got a hold of me and said, hey, did you know my dad? Uh, used the word bang. And I didn't know. I said, no, I didn't. And the next Celtic game I did, I said, bang, that's in honor of Johnny most, Steve Frederick. It was a Philadelphia broadcaster, really a terrific play by play guy. He used it back in the day. Uh, so I'm not the only ones that, that uh, used it. I didn't know at the time because nobody listened to local radio if you weren't in the, in the local town back then. Uh, so there were others that used it, but it, it, it kind of became popular. Um, people seem to like it and it's it's worked out pretty well.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, it's very good of you to provide the full journalistic context and other people who've used it, but it's a, it's also kind of like uh, Michael Jackson not being technically the first person to moonwalk. <laughs> you talked about like hey, there should be an economy of bangs, right? Like we can't we can't have bang inflation because that'll drive the value of all of this down. And so I ask you do you have a favorite? Because I have nominees myself. There's a few that
0: that that I enjoyed. Let me put it that way. Uh, obviously, the Ray Allen shot in game six of the finals.
2: go! go rebound box! Back out to Allen!
0: History game with five seconds remaining! That's got to be up there without question.
1: Yep, 2013 against the Spurs, game six. Right. He doesn't hit that shot, and they don't win the championship. Um...
0: The as fun time as I've ever had as a broadcaster with those three weeks of insanity.
1: Oh, yes, Mike. I, I need. It. So I, I already like the bumps on my body. I, as you know now, my background. Like this is this is my number one. It sounds corny to say, but it was one of the most magical times I've
0: ever had as a broadcaster, as a Nick fan. And as an NBA fan, because he, he became the most popular athlete, not just in the country, in the world for three weeks. The whole world. And then we go up to Toronto, and they're playing the Raptors, and he received the loudest introduction or loudest ovation in a starting lineup introduction for a road player, I think in the history of the NBA. Yep. I've never heard before like that up in Toronto. And
1: so, of course, it comes down to a final shot. On Valentine's Day, for the record, my wife remembers me listening to this. Unfortunately, more excited about this than anything that happened, full disclosure, on that day. So he
0: hits the game-winning three because, of course, he does. Lynn puts it up. The roar of the crowd. You know, there were a lot of Nick fans there, but it was mostly Raptor fans, and the Raptors were, you know, by, by this point they were really popular. It was one of the great atmospheres in the league. But the Raptors fans are going crazy because people just realized they witnessed another amazing moment in this incredible story. Again, I sound corny, but I've been so no! feel so blessed to, to call so many of these games and moments like that. And, um, it's, it really is, a, it's a privilege to do that. And you just hope that you do it justice the moment. That's what you want to do. You want to try and enhance the moment. You don't want to overwhelm the moment. You certainly don't want to ruin the moment, but we've all had those where, you know, you blow a call or, uh, it just doesn't fit, but some of those fit pretty
1: well. I will say one of my favorite moments of you blowing a call was when you were in the bubble. And you're calling a game and you know what I'm talking about already. Cause you're laughing, but it is a total just air ball. And Jeff Van Gundy actually has some advice for you after you make a, 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 a misinterpretation, let's say of what actually had happened.
0: Yeah, it was, uh, I think it was Eric Gordon and, uh, the Rockets are playing and our lo- location was up about 25 rows, which is not an excuse. And we also had these plexiglasses in front of us, which is not an excuse. But the way the plexiglass w- was was situated right at that spot, it was like I didn't have a clear look. So I call it, and I don't think I said bang, but I think I said it, it's good. Cross court to Gordon. Gordon trying to get going. That's good. His second three pointer. That was an amazing. air ball, Mike. Jeff Jeff in his dry humor, matter of fact factly says, Mike, that was an air ball. <laughs> and it, it, I couldn't help but laugh. I want to see the replay. (laughs) Eric Gordon holding that follow through for you. Oh my goodness. You should have hit him with a bang on that too. That would have been even better. You know, you you make mistakes like that more often than you want, and you don't sleep that night, but it's all part of the live television stuff, and and you, you learn from it, move on.
1: But in terms of the ledger that you're sort of keeping track, okay, mistakes versus highlights, the highlight column also has a genre of call that we have not even talked about yet because the double bang, Mike. How spontaneous was that? Because it's happened, I feel like, less than a handful of times, but you tell me.
0: It's, um, no, never planned. Uh, that, was, that first one was an out-of-body experience. They do have a timeout. Decide not to use it. Curry, way downtown. Everything Steph Curry did that year turned to gold. Everything. He, he was on this magic carpet ride. They couldn't lose. They were on the greatest start in the history of the league, and uh, you just didn't expect them to hit the shot because you didn't. I didn't expect them to take it, and I just lost it. Was not. It was not planned. Uh, <laughs> you know, the first time I saw the highlight, when I looked back, I almost like grimaced them. Like I sounded like a screaming idiot, and that you know, Pablo, that's. That's the ultimate example of the fan in me taking over at that time. I guess that's never a bad thing. You just got to make sure your voice doesn't crack and you don't say anything ridiculous. One of the other ones I used was in the bubble when Doncic hit a game winner. Doncic pulls up, three-pointer. Bang! Bang! It's good! Doncic wins the game at the buzzer! The fan in you uh, comes out because you can't believe you, you, you watch these extraordinary men Uh, perform at this level and and make those kind of plays.
1: No, I mean, you did sound like a screaming idiot, but you only sounded like us. Like... We, screaming idiot fans, like, doing that. I mean, and I say that, of course, with all the love, because these are overtime games. Steph Curry had just hit his 12th three of the game. It was a record from 40 feet in the 2016 example. In the bubble example, which you kind of just glossed over, by the way, even though it was Mavs down one to the Clippers, overtime, 2020, playoffs, Luka Doncic coming out party. I mean, it it all raises a follow-up question, which is, have you ever released a triple bang? (laughs)
0: No, no, that could happen at a Knicks game sometime, you know, if the Knicks ever make it into the NBA finals, that that might be the only possible, but I, I, you know, I can't guarantee again, you just, you lose it sometimes. I I tell you what, like if I'm watching a game at home um, and, you know, it's a two teams that I might not care about, but a player hits a big shot, a game winner, I'm screaming while I'm sitting on my couch at home And I often have to go back and rewind to hear the announcer's call because I screamed over it.
1: Yeah, been there, Mike. Many of us have been there. Many of us, by the way, have been screaming and unilaterally triple banging without your permission from home. But after the break, I want to talk about how your job changed after fans finally got back inside those arenas where they belong.
0: Don't risk it. Click it or tick it.
1: Paid for by NHTSA. So at the height of the pandemic, Mike, we ran this unprecedented psychology experiment about what sports feels like without all those maniacs, without all those human beings around. So having called those games back in the NBA bubble in Orlando in 2020, and now having been back for months and months and months now... With the return of fans, what has it all felt like to you?
0: There was somebody that wrote this. It was right after the fans' return, and it was perfect. It was a tweet. It wasn't even an article. It said that the fans are the oxygen of pro sports. And I I thought it was just perfect. When they came in and you heard that roar and you felt the, the... Passion once again. I, I got emotional on um, on a couple of them. The uh, one of the first really big, the first playoff game last year, Knicks and the Hawks.
2: Welcome to Madison Square Garden, the world's most famous arena.
0: My eyes welled up. It was it was emotional. The crowd is screaming. It was it was like a an enormous twenty thousand family reunion because all these people from different walks of life. Um, that have had all different stories to tell all together as one family. They, they're connected by their, again, irrational love of this team. And and to hear that noise again and to feel that, that love that they have for those players down there in the uniform, it just, it was such an unbelievable reminder that was taken away from us. And again, like anything, um, you appreciate it more when it's gone and then when it comes back. Man, it just hits you in the face, and I was I was a little surprised at how how emotional I got before before some of those games.
1: Same as someone who was watching those games, I didn't expect to tear up, but I did. I I, I truly unabashedly did. And so, Mike, now we are of course about to get Game Four in Boston again. And Boston, I mean, you had a wry comment last night about. Ah, the the crowd. They have a particular tenor, um, this crowd, as they're chanting at Draymond Green. And so you have, beyond all of this experience, just an unbeatable vantage point on the court, right? Like mid-court, right there, best seat in the house. It's as good a seat as anyone could dream of for the sport that is most like theater than anything else. You're actually on on the floor of the stage. And What are you seeing up close now, Mike? Now that you're back after a couple games off, what are you seeing in these finals in specific that you couldn't get from home?
0: It's hard to put it into words, but the intensity level of every single play from the opening tip, every play matters. Every play can make a difference. It's like in game two, when Draymond Green jumped on Al Horford on the very first play of the game. That's the way it is, and... You could, you could feel, you could almost feel the nerves of the player, the adrenaline of the player when you're that close. Um, it's incredible. And, and, again, to have the crowd like that, and the, and the TD Garden crowd is as good as there is in the league right now. Although, again, we got to, I wish we would stop some of these chants. It actually started at the Garden, if I can go off on a tangent for a second. Please. You know, the, the, the F. Trey Young chants last year. I even said on the air, come on, Nick fans, you're better than that. And as fans, we are better than that. I mean, we can, You can boo and you can come up with clever stuff. I, I wish that stuff would stop. Um, but the crowd is, is so intense there in Boston. You could feel how much it matters to these players. Yes. And the amazing thing is, like for the Warriors, they've won a bunch of them, but it's still the same. It doesn't change. In fact, it, it's almost like a drug. They want it more. Uh, and for these Celtics, who have had their ups and downs and disappointments, Um, for them to finally bring a a championship, for one of them, that team, to bring another banner to that building, uh, it just, you can feel how much it means to these players at that point. It just jumps at you.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike, I, I, I hope we get, as you have long hoped for, close games. I hope we get offense. I have felt constipated as a viewer. I have been wanting more bangs during the postseason. I feel like we haven't gotten nearly enough are you optimistic that you're going to get optimal conditions here for the kind of game that we want to watch and hear get called? Uh, absolutely.
0: I mean, as the series goes on, it just it becomes better. And you look at the personnel on both teams, these guys are just too great. As great as the defenses are, and these are two the two best defenses in the NBA pretty much for the entire season, you still have teams scoring 120 points. You still have teams... You know, Celtics were shooting 62%. The skill level in today's game is just off the charts. So I am, I am always hopeful uh, for some, you know, iconic performances and some historic plays. And uh, that's what we live for as fans and certainly as a broadcaster.
1: And if we don't, for the record, I also want to make this argument at the end here. Like, your call for the opposite of a play that deserves a bang is also underrated. Way off is is two syllables, but both of them very deserved.
0: <laughs> the the one that that sometimes I feel guilty after I I do if a player misses, I mean I'm talking badly is one side of the backboard. When a player hits a shot, hits the side of the backboard, uh, I heard one call back. I said, "Nah, I, there's a little too much disdain in that call." I got, <laughs> I got to be kinder because it's not so easy sometimes.
1: Yeah, way off again. I remember hearing once, and I was like, "Wow." Yeah, a deserved uh, adverb. Oladipo lines up a three. Way off. Rebound tipped and taken
0: by Butler. Vincent, extra pass. Oladipo, good look for three. Way off again.
1: One last thing. Yeah, you've never been tempted to do a sarcastic bang, in other words, off the backboard.
0: Uh, no. Uh, the, what's the I'm trying to think. Of, there was a... Um... What's that phrase that the Knicks fans had the subway line?
1: How can you forget bing bong, Mike Breen? Yeah, it was the hottest thing in New York City for, I don't know, six weeks. Stand clear of the
0: closing doors, please. Bing bong. Let's go bing bong. Bing bong. Julius Randle hit a, a ridiculous, terrible shot that went in off it, and I think I used bing bong for that. <laughs> Again! And I regretted it it's seconds after <laughs> I said it.
1: <laughs> oh, Mike Freed, it is truly good to have you back. And when you do go triple bang, I will just think of this moment and how we at ESPN Daily incepted you.
0: Well, you, you put the thought into my head, which could be a dangerous thing, Pablo.
1: Oh, it is my pleasure. Truly my pleasure, Mike. Thank you for doing this. Oh, my pleasure. Great to talk with you. I'm Pablo Torre. This has been ESPN Daily, and our show is produced by Bradford Craig, Alexander Hyacinth, Mike Johns, Ryan Mantel, Mike Philbrick, Andy Tennant, Eve Tro, Chris Tuminello, and Aaron Vale. Special thanks this week to Andre Soto, Jalen Harris, Ty Reeves, Tim Corrigan, and Jackson Aguilow. I'll talk to you Monday. <phone rings>